0: Athletes, take your mark, get set. It's time for the Addict to Athlete Podcast. Everybody out there, Coach Blue Robinson here. Thank you all so much for downloading, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast. We appreciate you sharing this with your friends and family members, anyone who may be struggling with mental health, addictions, you name it. This podcast is here to help. Jump on our website if you have any questions or you want more content to download, to maybe check out to see some strategies and maybe some, some mechanisms of help if you yourself or someone else is struggling with any kind of Like I said, addictions or mental health issues, our Addict to Athlete website uh, can definitely help provide lots of resources. I want to pay particular attention to that resources tab where you can jump on and register for the 2021 5K we got coming up in September. You guys, it's a great way to get out and get your your families together and run proxy for those who might have lost their battle to addiction. So check that out, Labor Day weekend, it's going to be awesome. I want to especially give a shout out and thanks to our Patreon subscribers. We need your help. More Patreons, please jump on patreon.com slash addicttoathlete and help us continue to move this podcast forward. It is a dream of ours to get Addict to Athlete to the forefront of everyone who needs addiction recovery. I want to give a special shout out to our super fans, Jeremy Thurston, Holly Davies, Scott Foster, Coach Chris Williams, Brett Frew, Coach Tara Butson, Steve Riggs, The Warrior Within Podcast and Personal Development by Sensei KP, and... Chelsea Olson, thank you all super fans. Rookie Levels, Kenny Roseman, Earl Dyer, and Joe Jackson. You guys are rock stars and of course our pro level subscribers. Thank you so much, Selena Armitage, Gary Thurston, and Josh Hansen. The top tier, our championship level subscribers. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Shad and Freya Robison, the Robinson family, Ron and Dee Loesch, and of course, Tracy Whitby. Athletes jump on patreon.com slash athlete, Get your bonus episodes, the extracurricular recovery playbook, and much more. Join today. Athletes, thank you all so much for joining us today. I am excited to have uh, an amazing man who I've learned a lot about through our Agents of Recovery podcast and specifically Max Hall. And uh, I've known about uh, Coach Doman here for a while because uh, I've seen him play before with the old Gary Thurston, my father-in-law who's an avid BYU fan. And um, it makes sense that uh, after hearing Max's story about uh, the influence that Coach Doman had on him and just you know, what Coach is doing right now, specifically, not just in the world of, of football, but also in the world of just being uh, an amazing guy on and off the field, we invited Coach Brandon Doman to be part of the podcast today. Coach, how you doing, man? Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. I look forward to getting to know you. How's, how's life treating you today?
1: Yeah, I appreciate you asking. Life's busy and a lot going on in my own personal life with with six kids and my wife and I working hard to ensure that we raise them right, which is hard. But mm-hmm. we're uh, we're certainly blessed in many ways and grateful to be a participant on your show today.
0: That's so great. And for those of you guys that may not be familiar, uh, Brennan's played in and uh, played football for pretty much your whole life. You've been surrounded by this sport. For, for a long time. You, you you played quarterback for BYU. What was it, 2000, 2001-ish? Is that right? That's right. And yeah, then 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Does it seem like it's been that long, really? No. It just seems like I look at my head and I'm like, <laughs> man, it's certainly 20 years. That's why I keep my hat on. And then that's uh, right. directed to the NFL, playing for the 49ers there for, for a bit, and then returning with um, with uh, a position to be the offensive coordinator at BYU under um, Bronco Mendenhall. So. You've been busy. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it was a great run. Football playing was a phenomenal experience, and I just I count my many blessings that I got to be a quarterback at BYU and everything that that facilitated Mm -hmm. the opportunities, the relationships. It's it's been a continued, I should say, an ongoing uh, blessing to my life because it's just created so many opportunities. Yeah. And then coaching and being a part of BYU as a coach was a great was just a great opportunity to get to be with so many. Uh, unusually great players and administrators and, and on that campus and and the NFL was just icing on the on the cake that was a short stint but it mm-hmm. it truly provided me some some of those great opportunities I'm still blessed with today.
0: Absolutely. I mean, not too many people get to have that kind of story and and be able to kind of encapsulate it now. You know, again, doing things that you're passionate about, you know, still being involved in the sport, raising a family, being able to look back and see the legacy um, in so many others that you influence. And if you don't mind, maybe we'll just jump into that. I want to know your perspective. And let's start off on this. Like you said, you enjoyed being a player. And a lot of times we get the listeners that that come on and they they are they are early in recovery. They leave that lifestyle behind. They find joy and and, and purpose in sports and recreation, um, and then they start like having this desire to share it. So they actually become you know the players become the coaches to the next the next folks coming up. Tell me a little bit about the difference between being a player versus being a coach. And although I'm sure the sport and the game while active in it is very like like you know, fulfilling which did you truly enjoy you know, being on the sideline or being in the thick of things? Because they both come with very specific, I guess, parts uh, of investment, wouldn't you say?
1: Well, I didn't spend as much time as a player as I did as a coach. You getting up at five, six in the morning yeah. and going home at midnight and, and the countless amount of hours that you put into game planning and, and recruiting and constantly, constantly working at that trade and, and ensuring that you got the lifeblood of, of the program, which, which is the players and the success of the players, the health of the players, Mm
0: -hmm. how well
1: prepared they are to play. So the investment of time in coaching uh, certainly outweighed that as a player. And so I think the reward was greater. Mm -hmm. I I remember, I remember sitting in the press box. um, I want to say it was my second year of being a football coach and our quarterback at the time was John Beck Mm. and we were playing the university of Utah. We were coming down to the end. And BYU had lost to Utah like three years in a row, and John had really struggled overcoming that hurdle for himself personally. Right. And uh, he made it a last-second touchdown throw that was pretty miraculous. And I'll never forget my reaction. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was out of control. Yeah. I've never, I have never reacted like that in my life to to an event. And it was because I was, I think I was so excited for him. Mm-hmm. I was excited that he was able to overcome the hurdle that that the program was able to to get back into a position where, you know, the team in general could uh, overcome some of these unique challenges. And, and mm. yeah, I mean, I was running all over the press box and chest bumping anybody that would chest bump. <laughs> get to it. that height. Of and, ears. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah,
1: so it was, I would say for sure, the reward of watching it's like a parent, yeah. watching your kids succeed. It It's extremely rewarding.
0: Oh, you know what you you bring up a good point too and i think that that's that's that mechanism of wanting to serve and and then to see like all of the hard work that's gone on and off the field and then to see it kind of encapsulated in a moment like that it's like and you know what's going through his heart and his mind at that moment but just that just is that i guess that that being very much in the moment of like he did it he he he, yeah. he conquered something he didn't think he could do that's that's a cool part about this isn't it i sure you have many episodes like that and i think that's you know, that's special, I think relationship that coaches have to their players. I mean, what have you noticed about that bond between, I mean, because there's a difference, I was talking to Max about this last week, about the difference between a parent versus a coach. And it's kind of an interesting thing because a lot of the dynamics are similar, but yeah. there's also, there's you, you can't pull your coach's leg either, like you can't bear it maybe. So what do you think that bond is between player and coach and why, why does it get so strong?
1: Well, I'm forever grateful for the coaches that I've had. I look back at my life and, and the men that, that mentored me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and most of them were football coaches. Yeah. And uh, and I don't know why I was as fortunate as I was and have been in my life to be surrounded by these types of people. But I can go back to Little League football, to my high school experience, to my college and even my NFL experience. I had a football coach just recently pass away mm. named Greg Knapp mm. uh, that uh, was coaching at... Uh, the New York Jets here for Zach Wilson and just passed away from a bike accident. But oh, that's right. the guy was, the guy had no reason in the world to be reaching out to me. I was no, I was nobody important on his roster ever. And about three weeks before he passed away, I got a text message just checking in. Really? I think, I think a coach um, has the opportunity because he's not a parent um, to have a, just a different, level of respect. And, and we respect mom and dad. We revere mom and dad. Yeah. Um, but the coach becomes this mentor that has the opportunity to discipline and hold us accountable in a different way for, than a mom and dad does. And, and, and uniquely for me as a, as a coach, I was with mom and dad's kid eight hours a day yeah. sometimes and they were they were sitting in meeting rooms with me on the practice field with me i rec- i was recruiting them constantly i was in their homes talking to them and by the time a, a coach has invested all this time and effort in a player you you, you generally become a mentor a brother uh, a friend a confidant and and become hopefully you become uh, the you know, one of the very greatest advocates for that player's success. And yeah. if they can see that and they can feel that, then you see this. We always said that preparation plus opportunity equaled success. Yeah. And so you were constantly, constantly preparing these guys for this opportunity that they had already set. They had already set the goal. Mm-hmm. They knew what they wanted. And as a coach, you're supposed to be the master. And so you know yeah. what preparation has to go into uh, this, this workload that has to happen in order for the opportunity to be attained in order for yeah. the success to happen. And, and I think that the players, if they can trust you in that and, and be willing to, to, to lay it on the line, um, it's a really rewarding relationship
0: it is and it's very special because I think that uh, there's there's very few I think occupations by which that kind of respect and admiration can come from dare we say like like employee to boss or, or to supervisor or something like that it's a right. very different relationship because although the goal is to get to become the best you can be and to you know to, to win more than we lose, um, there's still that level, I think, that uh, is, is really hard to explain if you've never had it. And so I, I appreciate everything you said and, I, and you know being able to build those relationships. I know for a fact, because I have spoke to Max about this, is what helped save his life when you caught wind of his shenanigans. And instead of, instead of jumping on the bandwagon like so many do, where you start reading the comments under the posts and stuff at one of his most lowest of low times, um, he, he he spoke very highly that you were the one that said, "Hey, are you okay?" Because we've got a plan for you. What was that like for you? Because I mean, Max had been gone for for a while, but he was still on your radar, much like what you just spoke about getting getting the text from from your coach. What what did you feel when you saw that? Because I'm sure it I'm sure it hit you pretty square right right in the heart.
1: Yeah, it was it was sad. It was a very sad moment. My heart my heart broke. But my heart didn't break for the sadness of, of, of the moment. My heart broke for him. Exactly. And, and my heart broke for Mackenzie, his, his wife, mm-hmm. and his little kids. And I, I just knew that whatever had got him to that moment um, was not truly Max. I just I, I looked at this picture of Max that everyone else was looking at, and this, this man that uh, I had you know, grown to really love. And admire and build a relationship with, and the only thing I wanted to do was find him. I wanted to track him down and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and see where I could be a support to he and his family, and see if we couldn't get Max back to being Max.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. When, when you, when you reached out like that, I think it's kind of an important thing for the listeners that may not be aware. Um, you all know Max Hall from the Agents of Recovery podcast, very much an influential aspect of our team over there. And we're speaking about uh, episode, I think number three, where we go into Max's story specifically about um, kind of the, the culmination of, of an addiction that ended in, a, in an arrest and some pretty heavy hearts for his family. And, and Coach Doman speaking about how he saw that and reached out and helped get him motivated to get help the coolest part about what max said about your ability to reach out is that he was like i knew i couldn't tell him no i knew that if he was reaching out to me it was i know you can do this i know you're better than this so let's let's stop let's stop the shenanigans and let's get moving um yeah that approach so much more powerful than a than the aggressive kind of you know what were you thinking and how dare you and that kind of stuff. You took a soft approach to a very hard program, I, I guess. I guess problem. Um, so important. You knew the relationship. So why not come in like a, a Bobby Knight and throw in chairs or something? Why come in with with uh, with your style of the soft approach? You recognized, I think, probably the need to approach with care.
1: He was already broken. Mm-hmm. he didn't need he, he didn't need another bat over the head he, yeah. he was already down he was already he was already a broken person at that point point. and he he needed absolute confidence in what, what the one thing I remember is leaving him a voice message I saw it I instantly called and I said at some point you're gonna you're gonna listen to your voice messages and when you hear my voice message I need you to call me immediately and we're got we're gonna get this solved and I'm going to help you get this solved. And I love you. Yeah. And and don't don't for a minute think that you can't reach out to me. That I'm not going to be one of your advocates here. And, and he heard that message and he reached out. And and um, by that time I had already reached out to several resources that I had mm-hmm. and and friends and others. And there was a handful of us that rallied the troops and circled the wagons and we ended up getting some things in place for Max to be able to come to Utah. And so my message to Max was get on the airplane and get here and we'll be here waiting for you when you arrive. And I had reached out to his family and, and whether or not Max wanted to do that or not, or if his family had something else in plan, that was fine. We just wanted to know that, that in the event that they they wanted our support that we had it taken care of and he needed to just get on a plane, get up here and, Fortunately for us, he, he did. He, he got on the plane and came.
0: But see, I think that's the important part because just like your players, as much as you could go out there and, and show them how it's done, and you, know, you can't go in in the middle of the game and be like, let me show you. Like, it's up to yeah. them to kind of take that extension of help and to take that, There we yeah. say, coaching. Um, because, right, I mean, at that point, all you could say is, look, all you got to do is get on the plane. And that level of coaching is like, you have to do the hard part, Max, which is getting on the plane. The rest yeah. of it will be here to yeah. receive you.
1: You know, I'd seen Max get hurt before. I'd seen him fall yeah. down. I'd I'd seen him be in tears. I'd seen him, lose, I've seen him lose football games. I've seen him win a lot more football games than I've seen him lose. Yeah. And I knew what he was capable of. And he's the type of a guy that if I had to go compete in anything, he would be one of my first phone calls. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. It wouldn't matter what it was. Uh, I will call that guy because he has a tenacious, competitive nature and and I always thought, you know, gosh, maybe he's overly confident. And then I realized I'd way rather that and have to kind of help bring him down a little bit into the right realm than to try and figure out how to build his confidence. And and I had seen him go through so many things, and he felt like he was invincible, and that was part of the problem. Yeah. Is that I can do whatever I want to do, and I'm going to make my way out of it. And the addiction just beat beat the tar out oh, of God. me. He couldn't beat it. Mm-hmm. And he needed help, and he couldn't do it himself. So in that case – and I. I sh- one of the thoughts that keeps coming to my mind is I remember playing University of Wyoming in Wyoming mm-hmm. and it was just nasty cold. It was, it was really hard. I was coaching. He was a first year quarterback and uh, the doctor recalls up to me in the press box and he says, Max just separated his shoulder. Oh man. His, his throwing shoulder. And uh, I knew the doctor cause he was the same doctor that, that was my doctor when I was quarterback. Oh, man. You. And so so he said, Brandon, you know what that feels like because I had done the same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you want me to give him the op- his options? And I said, yes. And one of those options is that he can continue to play. Is that right? And he says, yeah, he, his options are not play and continue to play. And here's what we're going to have to do. And I remember <laughs> Max listening in. He just grabs the phone from the doctor, right? Oh. Grabs the phone, gets on the phone. And he says, there is no option two here. Mm. I'm playing. Oh wow. I'm playing. So what do we got to do to play? And, and I know how that felt. So yeah. I, 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 this keeps coming to my mind that, that I, again, I think part of being a mentor is earning the trust and the confidence and being in those moments so that we can remind mm-hmm. Enable these these individuals that we get the opportunity to mentor, and sometimes just re, help them remember that that I've done this before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I can do this, and and I've seen Max do some really really hard things. And in that moment with his addiction, I knew he could do it again. I knew he could overcome it. And but this time it'll be a lifelong battle he's going to have to endure. But he can do it. And, Absolutely. And that was the message. That was the message to him.
0: And so when I when I met you in person was when we were there at his fireside where he was speaking to youth, um, about yeah. specifically about that and and you know I, I've I've been a bishop of the church and I sit here and I'm listening to him talk and I'm like, ooh, he's he's not holding back and I thought hmm but he did such an eloquent job of of describing what it was like yeah. in such a powerful manner that I'm thinking. All right. These are who we need on the front line in this day and age, yeah. guys that have had that experience for a reason, but now he's taking the same steps you did by now being that yeah. person for his his kids that he's coaching. Yeah. And so there's a there's a huge crossover, I think, between like again, the player and the coach, but then the the we have these experiences for some kind of reason. You know, you yeah. separated your shoulder to have that experience with him. And then to reinforce the fact that you know oh, I'm, I'm i'm in and you being like yeah. okay it's your choice i think that's fantastic um max is probably one of many that you have stories like this about what impresses you about the the the, the players or, or the folks that you've worked with or coached along this path or even played with that show this 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 tenacity for like being mindful of their own limitations, but also knowing that they've got more in the tank, not giving up or taking a knee when they know they could, when you know they could go and so do they.
1: I just, I'd love, I just love sports. Yeah. I love athletics. I love, I just love what it means to the individual. And, and so over the years, you know, watching somebody become the very best at something, whether it just be for their age or in the world or for the moment, um, and know that they had they had taken all the gifts that they've been given and then and then made more of themselves than maybe they ever thought they could be and and then you know sink sink through some adversity and face some challenge and deal with some injuries and mm-hmm. booing fans or whatever it might be yeah. or just all the naysayers and to I think every kid ought to stand on a pitching mound and have to throw a strike with his, with all your friends and family standing there watching, there's something about the, the, the anxiety that you feel. And then this determination to, to overcome it and athletes over the, over years um, physically and emotionally and mentally um, learn how to do that. And, I think it has such an impact on life and the, the challenging thing for an athlete is when it comes to an end right. now, what? Yes. And, and I've gone through all these years of learning how to, to do this and I've become a tenacious competitor and I've learned it through sport. Mm-hmm. Does it apply to the rest of my life? And can it apply to the rest of my life? And who's going to help me do that? Do I need some support in that? And, and, uh, it absolutely does apply. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I've got an. I have a brother-in-law that's in his mid-thirties. He was a quarterback for his high school team in high school. He had become a, a, a very valuable, athlete at his high school, and uh-huh. he got hurt mm. and got into, pain medication and become yeah. became an addict for twelve years. Mm. He's six years sober right
0: now. Fantastic.
1: And running his own rehab facility here in Utah, and I I just he's for with the same tenacity that he had to have as an athlete to overcome the challenges to become great there he's had to show the same tenacity the same physical wherewithal and work and grit and determination to do it Mm -hmm. but he's done it before and that's the message that was the message of mac you've done this before just different it's been a different fight and a different battle but you've done it before and you can do it and and the results will be every bit as as sweet if not 10 times better when you overcome these challenges.
0: Yeah, you know, it, you, you're right. I, I had a guest on my podcast not too long ago, and it talked, it talked about run your business like you're an addict. And it's kind of funny, because it catches you off guard. You're like, what? What yeah. it means is that they're pretty dang resourceful. And if they can do all this stuff in the negative yeah. mindset, you know, like they can, they can wake up in the morning and have no money, no means, but at the end of the day, you bet you they can have whatever they need to, to find that high. Now imagine if rest. we flipped the script, right? And we did something positive by nature that way. I mean, if you did anything and everything you could do to make your life as amazing as possible, could yeah. you do it? And they're like, no, I'm like, yes you can. It's the same principles apply. You've done right. it before. You are already that creator. You can produce these things out of nothing. Now do it for something positive and they apply that. It Would make perfect sense why while he's, while he's finding success in that world because they really are the same, you're right. I think sports is a great equalizer, and I think that that's one thing that we all can do. Um, it's just, do we have the courage to still walk up on that mound while everyone's watching, knowing that we're probably gonna get some boos, but we'll get some cheers, and at the end of the day, that's all just noise anyway. How do you coach then, for, for Max and for everybody else, to drown out the boos and to drown out even the cheers and just kind of be at one, and just at the end of the day know that that's all noise? How do you cope with it? Like, yeah. how do you coach those those situations?
1: Well, I, I always would say to Max and the quarterbacks and anybody I've coached that plays quarterback, as goes the quarterback, so goes the team. Yep. Yeah. And it's not about anything else; it's about the team. So, if 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 you try and make it about you, or you try and make it about your accolades, or you try and make it about your performance, then the team is always going to suffer because mm-hmm. it becomes about you. And but if your performance is about the team and all of the work and and energy that you put into this um is focused on the team and the team will be resilient and you won't part of part of the beauty of the team is that they help drown out the noise they help become your protecting family and and become your influence for good but they they truly become the shoulders that you lean on and so i i think for Mm. for most of the guys i've had a chance to catch i mean coach is become a great teammate yeah and uh, be willing to be a teammate. Be willing to be humble and to sacrifice for your guys. Because if your guys can see that leadership, Vince Lombardi said that leadership rests not only upon the ability to lead or the capacity to lead. Uh, it rests on truth in your purpose and willpower and your character. Brilliant. And and I think that, that this truth truth in your purpose is discovered on a daily basis. You you earn uh, this truth. In, in, in your purpose and the willpower and character just means are you willing to get up are you willing to get in front of the line are you willing to stay late are you willing to spend extra time at it um, and and then and then the the other thing that I've always believed in and I was taught at this young age and teaching the guys and, and we talk about with Max all the time if your mind can conceive it and your heart can believe it and you can achieve it yes um, so what is it that you're going to accomplish well I'm going to throw 35 touchdowns this year and I'm only going to throw 10 interceptions on the season so how are we going to get there mm-hmm. and, and duplicating that time time after time after time before we ever get to the season is that even possible to duplicate that and the answer is yes mm-hmm. but the guys are going to have to get their heart and to me that's the hardest challenge is getting your heart to truly believe that I can accomplish what my mind conceives because it's easy to get our minds to see it
0: Yeah.
1: but now the challenge is uh, uh, now I got to do the work Yeah. and people people don't want to do the work that's the hard part Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know what, though, that plays absolutely in tune with the folks I'm coaching to, you know, out of addiction and into a life worth living. It's that same thing, right? The idea is there and the belief system gets a little bit weak and then the application fizzles out. So it's like you've got to truly believe that this is possible or else you're going to fizzle out. So how do you coach that to, to show them that your belief is is it's not right. It's not wrong. It just is. Right, Henry Ford. Right, Um, you know, if you believe that you're a stinker, you are. Right, if you believe it, you can achieve it. You're spot on. But how do you coach belief? I mean, trial and error. What do you do? Yeah,
1: I think it's simple successes along the way, and we have to, Hmm. as mentors and coaches and whatever, whoever, whatever we might be, we have to create those simple successes. We don't have to create the grand moments. Those are going to come. Right. The competition, the games, the 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 life lessons, the marriages, the whatever is whatever's coming down the pathway for those we're mentoring or leading, the, those big moments are going to show up and they're the opportunities we're preparing for. So we have to provide simple successes along the way. We used to, in practice, I used to always believe that if we don't put the quarterback in game like situations in practice and really assimilate the game scenarios for him in enough in enough ways and, and at and a high enough frequency, there's no way that he's going to be able to take from the practice field what he needs to into the stadium succeed. So mm-hmm. in most team sessions, when I go watch football practice, at the highest level from the NFL on down, um, if, if they're doing too many stationary team drills where they're not working on moving the ball right. and there's not a situation where I have got to convert a first down, and I'm and I'm not being scored or rated. And I think Urban Meyer is one of the best in the world at mm-hmm. this. But if, if you study up on him, even what he's doing with the Jaguars right now, mm-hmm. you have you have to be graded on simple successes along the way so that that so that I can transfer it over. And so, hmm. did you get did you convert the first down in practice? What was your third down conversion in practice? What was your scoring percentage in 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 the red zone going in in practice and and is it transferable and here's an example max's second season mm-hmm. we were going into what we felt like was going to be a remarkable year mm-hmm. and uh i'm sorry his senior season okay. this was his last year and and we had some really good players anyways we were going into fall camp and we had set a goal that he would throw four touchdowns to every one interception during fall camp and we were going to put him in all those game-like situations right. so that he could succeed. And we knew that we were going to have enough team sessions that it would almost feel like a full season by the time he got done with fall camp. Right. And and it would it would translate over. We're like two practices, three practices in, no touchdown passes. He'd thrown like four interceptions. You're like, No. And I'm I remember coming to him and jokingly, but very seriously also saying, "Look, Max, there's this has got to come to an end." Yeah. You 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 know what the goal is, and you know what's got to happen. And he said, Coach, um, what's the goal? What for fall camp? What's the goal? And I said, What do you want it? To, we know what the we know the goal is four touchdowns to one. What do you want to, the reward to be, Max? What's mm. the outcome reward for this? He says, I want to shave your head. I said, <laughs> I had hair. And I have, actually I haven't had, had hair sustained.
0: Great locks, huh? Okay, I see yeah, where this is I had going, Coach.
1: Hair. He goes, <laughs> I wanna shave I wanna shave your head if I accomplish the goal and I said, Deal. You can do it. So we had like twenty more practices left and in a remarkable fashion he went on to just blow blow the goal out of water mm-hmm. and the interceptions stopped, the touchdowns, they just started ripping away at the touchdowns. And i never forget sitting down at the NFL camp and the whole team circling in the locker room and he shaved my you, head. You I remember Actually, actually
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm going bald now, but, but I've kept my hair shaved ever since then. But I, those those moments of success and simple successes recreated, mm-hmm. maybe in a practice environment or in a, in a clinic environment, whatever it might be, those do transfer over to real life situations. For if, sure. if it doesn't happen in the meeting room, we also think as coaches, we're pointing up like we're in the building. Uh-huh. If we can't get it done in the meeting room, it can't get done on the practice field. And if it can't get done on the practice field, it's certainly not going to get done in the stadium. True. So, all of that is applicable anyway that's a lot no I like it no you're so
0: spot much, on but. because again these things go hand in hand with that recovery process and I love the fact that everyone's motivated by something I'm sure that was the last something you thought he would bring up like I want to shave your head you're like what yeah like yeah. okay Like, and, and that's what it was for him so I mean it's interesting, huh? I'm sure that you have to kind of keep your finger on the pulse of like what what's motivating the, you know yeah. the person to enter recovery. What's motivating the, this player to perform at his at his best? Um, which do you find with with the athletes more so than not, I'm sure there's a variety of either, but do you find that the internal motivation is stronger or the external motivation? Which do you see? more more common is it the inside or the outside motivation for, for,
1: for young for younger players there's an external motivation it's getting a pair of shoes or getting you know new new gear or yeah. whatever it might be right if, if if I perform well I get this external external reward um, and, and that I think that carries on but the, the older the player gets there's, there's clearly some more in, yeah it crosses over mm-hmm. and the internal motivation starts you know, you start having bigger decisions to make and there's some more internal motivation, but yeah, I I would say that's the the, the younger, the younger you are, the more externally motivated you are.
0: That's so interesting. And and you can almost see when it comes across to you. You're like, okay, now he's maturing. I can see this. That's awesome. Yeah. Shifting gears just briefly. I was watching a video a couple of days ago, just kind of, you know, getting to know a little bit more about you. And, um, there was a video clip that came on and it was, uh, I can't remember. It's probably a BYU TV thing, but it was a a quick little descriptor about how one day you came home after a big day of work and you saw your son out there and he had his ball and he had his mitt and he's like his bat. And he's like, "Hey, dad, let's let's play." And I can just I can like, Brandon, you better grab that mitt, man. <laughs> you better not say I ignored." <laughs> and you did. You grabbed. You had and you you made a decision. You're like, "Hey, I've got to do some things now. These kids are in their prime now, and now it's time to start you know, shifting." you know, my passion back into this family system too yeah. and leaning in more. Not that you weren't you weren't an absent father, yeah. but you you had a mindset of like, this is important now. And I remember when my son came of age and he's like, hey, you know, let's go have a catch. And I'm like, dude, is it time? I'm like, let's do this. Um tell me about that, about about that shift in like some of your focus and some of that, because you did you yeah. you, you it means if you parent out of inconvenience you're giving up something else that you truly want to do, but you're seeing something of greater value over here. So tell me about that mindset about the ultimate goal is being a dad and a coach to your kids.
1: Yeah. I think the older I've got um, that I've gotten and and the more demands of just parenthood and life, business, church, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. I'm finding more joy and peace in my own life, but the demands are, are external. They're, They're pressing in at every turn and if i'll just allow myself to to take these external pressures as they come one by one and be outward thinking and and allow myself to get out of my own way because often if i'm in often i want to kick take my shoes off and go sit down in my chair and (laughs) close my eyes right or turn on the tv Mm -hmm. And, and 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 i think we all need moments for that but if if i'm not careful I'm missing so many opportunities to say hello to somebody, shake a hand. And in that case with my own children there, they would take my every minute if I'd give it to them. Mm -hmm. And now I'm learning with my oldest out of the home. My two, my two next oldest children we have six are now going to be juniors in high school and they're, they're minutes away from being gone. And I don't want to look back and go, gosh, was I stingy with my minutes? Yeah. Did, Did I, did I not give my minutes away to those kids? And, and when they were sitting there ready to take the minutes, why, why wouldn't I have, I have given it to them?
0: Absolutely. Um, I
1: mean, did I not value those minutes enough? And there's a great book called The Dad, A Boy and a Ball written by George Durant. It mm. talks about um, what, the, what, what the ball meant to the dad and the boy. And what it meant was um, the boys are gonna be in a heck of a lot different state of mind out shooting shooting some hoops in the backyard to communicate to the dad versus, Hey, why don't you come in my room? Let's sit down and talk. Yeah. Um, and so those, as we all know, if we'll get out and do things with our children and, and, and spend time with them doing things that they enjoy, um, chances yeah. are our conversations are going to, are going to naturally go where they're supposed to go and afford us those unique opportunities. I didn't want to miss those. Yeah. And I was, yeah. When I was talking about my boy and the dad, you know, going out and playing catch with the boy, I was missing the opportunities. They were coming and going, and I was missing them, and I didn't want to miss them anymore.
0: Yeah, and something hit different that day. And I, I'm with you. I try to coach this with a lot of folks I do counseling with. You know, when they're overwhelmed and they have a lot of life kind of you know, just pouring down on them. And um, I always bring up the point of how much time are they spending with their kids versus how much do they want to. And it's interesting because I saw this once in real time and my wife pointed it out where she says, you ever notice how much your kids want us to watch them? Especially when they're little, right? They're like, hey, dad, watch this. And they do some wacky jump and you're like, hey, fantastic. And they do it again, like dad, watch. And they do the same thing. You're like, all right, good again. And I'm like, yeah. she's like, we have to always watch when they're asking us because she said, what I've noticed is that when they get older and if we don't watch, that you know when they get older they're not gonna they're not gonna show us they need us to watch but if we have that relationship with them that early that you know by the time that we you know they don't want us to watch we're like hey what are you doing over there who's you know who's this where are you going tonight it's it's yeah. it's a given they know that that relationship's there because you cared to invest early on i think coach that same thing happened not just in your family but also with the folks you coach because of you being able to see the maxes of 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 the people you've coached to the other folks that i'm sure you've kept tabs on throughout your career um it's important huh because you think well once this ends like you said once it's over the relationship's over but that's not really true is it how do you maintain so much relationship when you've had such an extensive career both playing and coaching and still have time like how do you, how do you navigate and, and allocate your time to those kind of like experiences?
1: Yeah That's really hard. I, I had a coach in college by the name of Lavelle Edwards. Oh yes. He had a gift and his, one of his gifts was that he could remember <sighs> he remembered names. He remembered players, he remembered their wife's names and, and uh, was able to draw upon those things. and, and uh, I'm not very really good at that. But in the in in the, the few relationships that I've been able to have, um, I hope that the players know that I was I was all in for them. I hope that they never felt like this was all about Brandon or that I was selfish or intrinsically you know motivated for for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I hope that I hope that they know that that they can call me on a whim, that they can reach out to me for anything they might need, and that I would be willing to, to jump. And support them and help them in any way that I could. I hope they feel that way. And, mm-hmm. and those in those moments where those opportunities have come available, uh, it's been a great thing, and, I, and I'm grateful for that. And, and uh, some of the some of the relationships just naturally continue to to grow. And some of them not as much. Some of them, you know, there's these young men or men have other mentors that they lean yeah. on more frequently. And in some cases, I've had the opportunity to to maintain relationships and still be a uh, a friend and a mentor that remains constant in their lives. And, and you just take advantage of those as they come.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's, I think, a huge eye-opener when it comes to what we're really – on this little ball of mud called the earth, that's what we're here, right? Is to build yeah. these relationships yeah. and to invest our time, and to 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 do it without any kind of like, you know, self, I guess, uh, you know, suiting behavior where it's like it's all about me. Yeah. That's the that's the cool thing about that style of coaching as well. Um, and I mentioned you know Coach Bobby Knight. We always know Coach Coach Knight throwing the chairs and all that kind of stuff. Um, why not go down that path? Because you know you you guys chose a very different. Outreach you inspired by by inspiration instead of kind of by the the the, the direct mandate of of you play this way or else. Um, you've probably seen coaches that way. Why take the harder route of doing the relationship thing rather than you know just getting you know the the results that you want? Because what you're doing yeah. takes a lot more time and it's a lot more difficult.
1: It does, it was hard. I mean, you. Just, I think the coaches they're throwing stuff or getting mad all the time or belittling, uh, you know, often certainly don't, don't take the time to build a relationship of trust and confidence. I, I wasn't looking to be their best friend. Yeah. I, I don't know that any coach is no. trying to be Mr. Friend, right? Mm-hmm. I, what I was looking for was, was how do I, how do I bring the very best out of this young man and how, how do we yield the best result for him? And it was impossible to know how to do that if I didn't know what he wanted. Yeah. And so I think part of the relationship building was, hey, where are you going? Why are you going there? And what's the end? And what's the what's the end goal here? And can we can we support you in that? And in some cases they didn't know, so you Mm -hmm. had to help create the vision for them. And I think because of that over time, it it, you know the relationship developed. But I just don't believe in yelling and screaming, and I just they they don't need that. It's not. It doesn't. In my opinion, I've had coaches do that to me. It, It it only created fear and anxiety for me. It didn't create confidence. And I, you're trying to build confidence and maybe a player needs to yell and scream, scream at him. I just never found a player that I was coaching that that was the best, that was the best way to go, go, you know, go about mentoring and teaching and yeah. helping them be successful. And that doesn't mean we didn't hold them accountable or no. keep them disciplined to the sure. task, but. But I just didn't feel like I needed to tear him down.
0: But, uh, but I love that principle because, again, it, it's harder because you have to have that relationship. And that, that level of disappointment can come through with a look as much as it can come through with a scolding. And I think that's kind of an interesting behavior. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm my own children. Like, it's so funny. Like, I remember I talked about this on the Agents of Recovery not too long ago with Max and those guys. I said, I remember the time that my kids just weren't following the rules. They were just goofing off. They weren't <laughs> getting their chores done. And I remember counting to three. One two three and they didn't do anything and i'm like four five i mean they, yeah. they realized like what are you gonna do old man right and i'm like all right, right i can't rule the roost like this i have to be able to say hey i'm gonna start picking this stuff up guys give me a hand and as i they saw me working they like okay and i invited them in and i'll tell you brother it, it i had to get my hands dirty i couldn't just sit back and watch yeah. tv while they were doing their chores i had to help them um yeah it doesn't have i mean it's, it's different now it took the hard part in the beginning to have something good happen now. And I just think there's a, there's a lot to that. It's like, you are not nervous or worried about doing the heavy lifting because you've done it before, but holding them accountable, even if you're in the trenches with them, I think is where real leadership comes from. What, what do you think?
1: Well, as a coach, you can't go do it for them. Yeah, I think that was the hardest thing for me. I was like, would you just put the football down and give it to me and I'll just (laughs) go throw it for heaven's sake. Um, and, and that's a really a hard transition from from being a, a player to coach and I think that's mm-hmm. probably why it's really hard for for many people that can't succeed they might have been a great player but they can't transition over being a coach because you can only demonstrate so much right, right. you can only physically demonstrate the method and and uh, but you do have to you do have to spend the time um, you know being there with them and, and constantly, providing this they have to trust that you're the master of the technique right. and even if you're not they they have to trust that you are and so the other thing that they had mm. to see from me was what's he doing to become the master is he the master and i remember just going out and trying like crazy to find master coaches that i could spend time with and go visit them and i think that they saw hey look he's doing the work mm-hmm. i can trust him
0: yeah that's an interesting thing. Now, I know sometimes this happens where we get this imposter syndrome, but when you walked onto the field for the first time as a coach, I'm right. sure you weren't like super confident and Everything you're like, dude, I'm still kind of learning too. I mean, what was that yeah. jump from, again, like, the day you walked on and you're like all right guys this is how it's going to be done and they're like dude you were just playing like yesterday like how yeah. how was that for you because like you're right you are at that point the expert and they don't know you're not until you show them you're not and so was it kind of an interesting transition to be like "No, well, i'm that guy.
1: yeah i had to apologize a lot <laughs> because i'm be like man i'm so uh, I'm sorry. sorry that I, i'm mm-hmm. sorry i said that i'm sorry i did that i'm sorry that i don't know the answer to that and Mm-hmm. Um because I I made plenty blunders along the way. For sure. and, they, and, and if I, I you know, I, I don't know and there were times probably when I should have apologized that I didn't apologize, and, and I think in those moments I probably lost confidence from the from the guys. But I, I think that they saw that, that it was genuine, um, that I was I was truly there, you know, there for them and, and that I was trying to figure out along the way. And I, I found that as a parent, mm-hmm. if I'm willing to apologize recognize that i blew it and, and you know apologize to them but it, yeah, yeah. I, I sometimes see that they're willing to take the onus and apologize back you know and, and i best. i think i think we are we we have to earn that but man i was apologizing a lot
0: that's awesome yeah i, I think there's nothing more humbling <clears throat> than apologizing to your own children like Looks like we're gonna step down a bounds right there, you guys. Let me let me reel that in. Yeah. I apologize for that. It's one of the neatest things too because it shows that yeah, we're all still kind of learning, even though we all have very different, you know, roles and responsibilities. I think that's genius. Coach, we're, we're we're running out of time here. I'm just curious, what what do you say to to the players, to your kids, to your family, to just people that you're you're in service to when things look a little bleak, like how do you rally your troops? I mean, what's what's your call to arms, so to speak?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think the call to arms is, is identifying what's most important to you in your life and and staying core to those things because most most everything that we're dealing with is you said external and and in many ways we don't get to control those things, but we do get to control our internal desires. And, and, and so it requires us to keep the faith and to stay focused. And what are, you, what are you keeping the faith on? And what are you staying focused on? Um, because it, it really will determine your outcome. And, and so I, I think for me as a, as a person and for those that I coach and for my family, uh, where, where are our eyes? Who are we looking to? Where are we looking to find the guidance and the direction? And where are we staying riveted to? And do we feel like we're standing on a strong foundation? And no matter what else is going on wins or losses or or life the storms of life um, i think for myself we we've been able to find you know at least a, a, a foundation that we we confident in and we exercise our faith in that and and i think to, even as a coach I, I that was something that that we would talk about where, where, are, you, where are you standing what do what you really what you really believe in and where are you going and it, take football out of the equation um, and i think that that has a great impact it provides stability in life and and I'm, I'll be forever grateful for that knowledge and that faith
0: yeah absolutely and the cool thing is is the job is never truly done because there's still so much to, to, to be done out there so brother i want to thank you for just spending a little bit of time with us i mean everything you listeners have heard today you can apply to so many different aspects of life it's not just you know football on the field this is life in recovery this is you know, mothers and fathers rules and responsibilities your civic duty to, to leave it better than where you found it and I think that there's a lot of principles so revisit this uh, Coach thank you so much for, for spending some time I want to thank Radio Ronin for the Radio Ronin Network for all that you do for Team Addict to Athlete uh, getting our podcast out there Um, check in jump on the agents of recovery you'll hear uh, you'll hear about you know more about max who we've been talking about today so check out the agents of recovery podcast alongside the addict athlete podcast and until next time go turn that mess into a message thank you